This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Yes, Wayne Goldsmith joins us from the wonderful Gold Coast of Australia. Good morning, Wayne. How's your week been so far? Well, it's actually been fantastic. The family's had a, uh, an amazing week that uh, I don't know if I mentioned before, but all the family decided about uh, oh, seven or eight years ago, I decided we we're going to do something together instead of being drop and go parents and uh, I started with my oldest uh, daughter and my oldest son we started a martial art called Hapkido which is career martial art and after a few years both of us were lucky enough or the three of us were lucky enough to get our black belt and then the other three members of the family because I've got four kids they decided that uh, they would go through the same process as well so we had this amazing situation last night where all six members of the family mum dad and all four kids are now got uh, black belt in the same martial art, and we got our photos done last night. And um, our grandmaster, who's in his late 60s, said that he's been involved in it since he was uh, eight years of age, and it's the first time ever that he's seen a family of six all achieve black belt. So that's been a huge week, plus we got a new cat. So I don't know how you top that. <laughs> that is wonderful. Both parts of it, especially the Hapkido, but the new cat as well. That's always exciting. Uh, well, can we drag you away from that just for uh, for a few minutes to talk some uh, some sport? And in fact, the Cricket World Cup, um, the whole uh, Warner Smith thing, have they been completely accepted back into the Australian cricketing um, landscape by most Australian fans, Wayne? I, I don't think so, to be honest. And I am, a, I'd say I'm a diehard cricket fan, I'm one of those idiots that still goes to test matches and with an old friend of mine, we sit there and we take score manually on an old cricket scorebook because we've done that since the early 1980s. So I'd have to say I'm a diehard. Look, the people that I speak to generally, I'd have to say, uh, will, are, are accepting that they're back in the team, but the pain is very deep, mate. It's, it's, uh, I, when I was in England recently... I was in a pub and they heard the accent and the first thing was, um, hey, mate, how do you feel about the sandpaper issue? And then a couple of weeks later, I was in a pub in Wales and uh, just sitting around and someone heard the accent and the first words out of their mouth, well, when you've got the Cricket World Cup, how do you feel about the sandpaper issue? So, look, it's it's had a bigger effect, not just in Australia, but on the world. I think it's going to take a lot of time to move past that. So will will that affect the team dynamic? I mean, will Warner and Smith feel uncomfortable in that team environment? Would you would you think that they would, or or do you think they will feel exactly the same way they did when they were part of that team pre Cape Town last year? Well, I would imagine, and just listening to their interviews and knowing a little bit about cricket, I would think that they've both gone through extensive psychological support programs. There's no doubt Langer has got 
people working with them on leadership, on cultural dynamics, on building an effective team. They've had all those things going. But you would have to imagine that there's still an element of of guilt and knowing that they did the wrong thing and hard to justify. It wasn't... uh, it's not something you can say, yes, I cheated and I feel comfortable with the fact I've cheated. It's a deep personal feeling that they're going to have to deal with and imagine they've gone through some real torment. And let's face it, when they come up against the Barmy Army, I think Australia play England maybe in three or four matches, but they're going to give them absolute hell. I mean, how fascinating was it with Coley the other night stepping in mm. and trying to calm the spectators down? That was a... There was a tremendous effort there. Mate, I look at it be fair to say that, um, you know, on a personal level, you feel very, very deeply and and sorry for the pain that they must be going through. But I would say the general fan base hasn't forgiven them as yet. Because, so someone was saying to you, how do you look a, a eight, nine, ten-year-old junior cricketer in the face and say the Australian captain willingly cheated? How do you, how do you talk to them about values and... All those wonderful things that we think the sport of cricket inspires. How do you look at kids and say, are you aware that the two best batsmen that we've got, our captain and our vice captain, both willingly cheated, uh, have admitted to it, they've dealt with it with great responsibility and they've owned the mistake and all those things, which is all power to them. But yes, I think the pain runs very deep. All right. Australia have got a game tonight, uh, weather permitting against Pakistan and Taunton. So far, they've uh, they've had the comfortable win over Afghanistan. Uh, they got there eventually against the West Indies. The loss to India uh, the other night. Do you think Australia would still consider themselves, and do you think Australian cricket fans would still consider the team a chance to win this again? Because I'd imagine Australian cricket fans go into every World Cup, like we do with Rugby World Cups, expecting the team to win it. Yeah, I would think anything less than semi-finals and the Australian public will be disappointed. I think realistically, though, if they if they get to the semi-finals, that, that's probably a, a, a big uh, win for them. I was I, going past there would be with with the fragmented preparation with the Smith Warner issues. I, I don't know that it's realistic to expect them to win. I, I think New Zealand's going fantastically well. I think. Uh, I did an interview in England the other week about cricket and I said, I think New Zealand are, as we would put in the old days, the Smokies. I think they're the the side that are capable of knocking anyone off. And if you look at your record over the last three, four seasons, that New Zealand have proven that in this format of the game, they're capable of beating anybody at any time. I, I think they're a, they're a serious threat. But yeah, I look at the Australia gets past, gets to the semi-finals. I think that would be considered a win. But as you say, mate, uh, it's an interesting parallel. I think it would be the same with the All Blacks. If they don't make the final, win the final, or more than likely be considered to be a, a failure. And as the defending champions going in, I think the, the on one side, the Australian public are expecting a repeat of that. But realistically, it would be hard to see it happening. Rain has started to uh, become a factor. The last two nights have been uh, have been washouts. South Africa v the West Indies, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. Tonight it's apparently going to rain for the Aussie-Pakistan game and the game tomorrow night, India versus New Zealand. Incredibly frustrating. And, and you know, the, the, the so-called winter codes don't have to worry about the rain. They just play anyway. Cricket, you can't do that. Is there any way to reduce that frustration and, and actually just say, you know what, we just can't control this? How do you make peace with the fact that, that you know, the rain can deny you um, an opportunity to get points and advance in the competition. 
Well, that, that's exactly right, Pony. You've got to go in it. And the, the nature of this game and the nature of the, the sport, generally you grow up with the weather being a factor, not just the obvious things like wind and rain, but pitch conditions and humidity and the, the, and uh, ambient temperature and light. And it, it's subject to everything that the environment can try. I, I think you just grow up with accepting the fact that some things are completely out of their control. It's 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 an interesting thing, I think, around the, the mental and emotional side with concentration that where you've got got players where play is constantly being interrupted after the game starts. I think if, they, if the game's abandoned before they even go out, that's one thing. I think as a group, they just move on and and refocus on the next game. But the, the, the really challenging moments are those ones where you're maybe a, a batsman, you've, you've settled, you're into a groove, you're seeing the ball well, your rhythm and your timing are there, and then you go off 45 minutes because of light or rain or some other problem. And then you've got to come back and refocus. But the, what I, I would think, and it has been a significant shift, is is as we've got more and more, not just into one-day cricket, but into 2020, I think players have had to learn not just to play a more aggressive form of the game and a more attacking form of the game to score runs, but I think they've had to learn how to focus and concentrate a lot better because they're getting less time to, as we used to say, play themselves in. And in a test match, they've got eight, 10 overs, 20 overs, as long as they like to play themselves in and get themselves into that feeling of flow. Now they've got to be able to switch on, switch off, a lot faster, which has necessitated a, a growth in and development of a lot more mental skills, particularly around focus and concentration. The unique nature of this tournament is that it's a full round robin, so everybody plays everybody, and then the top four go into the semis and the finals. So to win the thing, there are you're going to have to play two teams twice, uh, once in the round robin and then again in the semi, and once in the round robin again in the final. Is there any value to when you're coming up against somebody who might be a semi-final or a final opponent, for example, India against New Zealand tomorrow night, to hold something back, to not show your full hand, or is that just not even a consideration? I don't think so anymore, I think because the competition can be so tight that on any given day, it's not just the top four teams, but South Africa's been underperforming, but they're still capable of pulling out something. Pakistan have proven that they can pull something out when they need to. Don't write off Sri Lanka with their incredible record. That, that I think if you, you you take any team lightly at your own peril, that, that it's an interesting one, though, isn't it? That, that do you play that game? Maybe later in the round, Robin Piney, if you were guaranteed a top four spot, you might play that game a little bit if you just happen to strike someone to, you know, you're, you're sitting comfortably in second place. Uh, you look like there's no way you're going to miss out on semi-finals and you're coming up against one of your likely semi-finalists later in the tournament and you might play a little bit of a game there. But uh, I think it's a very risky proposition to, to play at the best of times. That uh, And the other thing is these guys play each other so much. I mean, mate, remember the days when... You'd only see opposition teams every three, four, five years if you're lucky. And now it seems to be every six months the same teams coming back. Plus they've all played each other in IPL and they're seeing each other regularly. I don't know there's a lot of secrets. I don't know there's a lot of mystery that anyone's going to pull out at the last moment and come up with a tactic or strategy that no one has ever seen before. It's the nature of the international calendar now, isn't it, that everyone is playing everybody more or less every 
18 months to two years maximum. The other thing about the Cricket World Cup is that it goes on for quite some time and the teams who do go deep uh, into the semis and the final will end up spending close to a couple of months together uh, when, you know, in ordinary circumstances they come together for games and then they go back to where they live, etc., etc. Will there be some... um, some interesting team dynamics because you don't always like the people you work with, Wayne, and the people you play with, do you? But when you're forced into close proximity with them for a couple of months, surely that would create some issues as well. Yeah, well, I, I'm really thinking about the Australians here too because they have an Ashes test series immediately True. after yeah. this with a limited break and they're going in with some challenging dynamics and the Smith-Warner issue and... The, the, in, in some ways, the best thing that could happen to them for Ashes' success would be to not make it to the semi-final, so they could have a really good three or four-week break, maybe go to Europe and just get away from each other and get away from the game for a few weeks and have a complete mental break. I suspect that if Australia happened to make the final and they have very limited break in between at that moment in time and a high-pressure Ashes series... Where, where the focus of the media there will be very much, and the fans base, of course, and the, the commentary teams will be very much on the, the Warner-Smith dynamic, going on a high-pressure Ashes series immediately after the pressure of a finals campaign. That'll test out the best of team dynamics. But I, I think if you've been involved in teams, you've got to give players the time to be individuals, to get away, to, to pursue interest. And I know over the years of when I've dealt with footy teams and representative teams, I've tried to get people to go to museums and art galleries and theatre and shows and go to the beach and uh, take up something like photography and just do something that they can have a passion for other than the cricket or other than football so that when they get a day off, instead of just laying in their room and thinking about what they've got to do next, that they get out, they get away by themselves and spend a couple of hours doing something else that they're passionate about. That, that's critical. I think if, if teams, uh, head coaches and team managers are smart, they've laid the foundations of those habits months before a big tour is on and try to encourage players to develop passions in other interests. That is the greatest form of mental relaxation. I think even better than sleep is having something else that your brain can get excited about and engaged with other than just being part of a touring party. Good stuff, Wayne. Have you given your cat a name? Well, yeah, the whole uh, menagerie that we've got here, we've got a dog called Magic, uh, we've got a cat called Jinx, and now we've got a cat called Minerva after the character on the Harry Potter series. So the family like this magical-type link going through the, the family pets. So, yeah, so we just carried on. Minerva, known as Minnie, and at the moment has completely taken over the house, driving us all crazy. I'm trying to write sometimes. Yesterday I was trying to do some work on my laptop and decided that it would try and bite my fingers while I was working. So that's my excuse for not getting my work done yesterday. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com. Thank you.